It's simple. Shipping, logistics, capacity, access. We are connecting America's heartland to the rest of the world. It's not just about shipping. It's a story about how we're constantly innovating, how we move our products around the world. Cleveland is a port city. We've always been a port city. This is Great Lakes Forward. Welcome back to Great Lakes Forward. We're here with Steve Fisher, Executive Director of the American Great Lakes Port Association. As always, make sure to follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram at Port of Cleveland. And on Facebook, we're at The Port of Cleveland for the latest news and updates. Steve, thanks for joining us again for the second part of this critical topic. Good to be with you, Jade. Great, great to have you. If you didn't catch part one with Steve, definitely make sure to go check it out. In that episode, we discussed the dynamics of the Great Lakes St. Lawrence Seaway system and have identified some of the main issues that are holding the system back and talked about some solutions to those problems. In today's episode, we're going to discuss what's on the agenda for port infrastructure and federal investment, particularly with the new administration in Washington, D.C. When people think about infrastructure, ports are almost always left behind, bridges, roads, etc. Why is that, Steve? Well, I have a theory. The public doesn't tend to interact with ports. They interact with airports. They interact with railroads. Many people have taken Amtrak uh, or at least stopped at a railroad crossing where they see trains going by. Many communities in Ohio mm-hmm. uh, have plenty of railroad crossings. They interact with the highway system. They use it every day. And so the public the voting public tends to be much more familiar with other modes of transportation than they are shipping and ports because they just uh, really don't often get down to a port or have access to a port to see it. Perhaps if they're a boater, they might be out on the water and see a cargo ship go by. But quite frankly, the majority of the public seldom comes into contact with our maritime transportation system. And for that reason, it's sort of out of sight and out of mind. That translates to the elected officials. They don't hear from people about ports and ships. They tend to hear that there's potholes in the highway. They tend to hear that they had a delay at their airport or the TSA official might have been uh, too slow or, or some other thing that they're more familiar with. So I think one of the answers to your question of why there's a sort of this lack of focus and lack of appreciation for our maritime transportation system is just the public doesn't interact with it much. Now, that doesn't mean it's not important. The public gets their goods delivered by ship, quite frankly. If you go into Mm -hmm. your your average Costco or Walmart, it's filled with goods, that most of which have come by ship to uh, our country. When you go out and and buy a car, that steel in that car was made from iron ore that was shipped on the Great Lakes nine times out of 10. And so in abstract ways, each individual is benefiting from maritime shipping, but they don't know it. It's not, it's not something that they realize. But I think that translates into the political system where you just don't have a lot of legislators hearing from constituents about the importance of maritime shipping. So it's, it's incumbent upon us, us in the shipping industry, to try to tell that story. Yeah, it's it's a critical. I remember, you know, when I first started the Port of Cleveland, one of the main 
things I worked on the first couple of years was just expanding funding opportunities for ports nationwide and, and even here in, in, in the state of Ohio and working with other ports in the Midwest and trading ideas about what we could do in order to, number one, educate our decision makers and then also educate our public about what we're doing. And here's the thing, for many ports and for many organizations in general, not just ports, but when you're doing something very well, when you're doing it very efficiently, when things are not broken, oftentimes people are, are not aware that you're doing anything at all. And so part of just the success of shipping, of getting goods in and out of the United States is sort of relax many people's focus on the fact that we are constantly, every day, 24-7, shipping goods in and out of the United States via our ports and that first mile and the last mile of the entire transportation system usually ends and begins in the water. And so mm -hmm. as part of our work here at the Port of Cleveland, we, we wanted to expand funding to enhance infrastructure at our facilities and also, you know, sort of work with the greater port community nationally in order to to do that you know at a national level as well and steve i'm sure you're aware we we received the first port infrastructure development grant to rebuild our dock 24 and 26 which is our international docks and 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 as like many many ports here in the great lake system the last major updates to our ports was in the 50s for the creation of the saint lawrence seaway and lock system and, and, you know, sort of standardizing those locks. Well, with cargoes getting heavier now, and then just also, you know, towards the end of useful life, our dock was found to be failing and need to be shut down immediately. And so luckily, because we do have this port infrastructure development grant that from MARAD, that program from MARAD, we were able to couple, you know, our, our funds, some some grant funds from the state of Ohio with that in order to, you know, start a massive rehaul of those two docks. And while this is a great start, you know, we want to expand our facilities even further and invest in more equipment. You know, how can infrastructure spending at the federal level get us to achieve these goals and enhance the Great Lakes as a whole? Well, I'm glad you mentioned the the grant that the Port of Cleveland got from the U.S. Maritime Administration. You know, that's from a, a brand new program. It's only existed three years now. It's called the Port Infrastructure Development Program. Um, we strongly, strongly support this program and really commend Congress for creating what is the nation's first ever federal infrastructure grant program specifically for ports. And, and when you think about that, that's kind of mind boggling. Most mm -hmm. ports on the Great Lakes are 100 to 150 years old. They, they are that old. That's how long ago many of these ports were established. Coastal ports in the United States equally old, yet we have not had a federal government infrastructure grant program to assist those ports with their infrastructure needs until three years ago. We've had federal grants for highways for decades. We've had federal grants for airports for decades. We've had federal grants for railroads for decades. Three years ago was the first time the federal government had a grant program specifically for port infrastructure. So yeah. nevertheless, while it might be late, it's welcome. And that's a very important program. And we work closely with Congress and our, and our legislators from the Great Lakes region to try to push for more funds for that program every year. While it's great for Cleveland 
and the Port of Cleveland to get those funds. I do want to mention that five other Great Lakes ports throughout the Great Lakes region also receive funds, and uh, we've secured in, in our region more than $76 million in the last couple of years for port infrastructure from that one program. And so this really has been a beneficial program for our ports in the region. Of course, ports elsewhere in the United States are benefiting as well. And we're all yeah. working as a team here, here in Washington to try to lobby Congress for even more funds. Last year, Congress increased the program size to $750 million. Now that right. isn't actual money yet. It's just the, the allowable cap on the program, but that's an indication of where they'd like to go with the program. And that's a big increase. It's now the largest program that the Maritime Administration runs, and it's a big improvement. And I think going forward, we're focusing on this program and making sure that it's well-funded is one way to make sure our ports ultimately have a source for infrastructure needs going forward. I do want to highlight and maybe ask you to mention, you know, many of our ports, including you, are making progress at the state level. It's yeah. not just a matter of getting the federal government to appreciate ports, but also to get the state governments to appreciate ports. Most states are not involved in maritime transportation. Most states do not provide financial assistance in any regular way to their ports. And yet that's starting to change. And, and you might mention what's going on in Ohio, because I know you've made some progress lately. Yeah, yeah, we we did. And, you know, the Ohio Maritime Assistance Program has been a critical, critical, critical program here in the state of Ohio. And, and like you said, Steve, we're a maritime state. However, from a, a public policy perspective, this just has not been the focus. And so what we what we actively did with the help of ALGPA, the Port of Cleveland, and the Port of Toledo have sort of led to charge with you know, working with the last two governors, working with the last three general assemblies and our state legislature to educate leadership, to educate bureaucratic decision makers on just, you know, some of the impacts of our ports. I mean, when you look at like the Port of Cleveland uh, and the Port of Toledo, you're talking about, you know, five to six billion dollars a year in just economic impact and, you know, 30,000 plus jobs that are directly and indirectly tied to just those two ports and not to mention our ports along the Ohio River which are which are very 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 much a part of the Mississippi River system Mississippi River cargo system which is you know if you if, for those that may not be aware of you know how critical that is you're, you're talking about how grain and how a lot of things are getting out, timber, everything is getting in and out of the country and that part of the country through the Mississippi River system. The Ohio River is a critical link in that, considering how much stuff is made uh, here in the state of Ohio. And so the state took it upon, took our advice and, and crafted the Ohio Maritime Assistance Program. We work with the U.S. our Ohio Department of Transportation. And it's a dollar for dollar grant match program, which in the last two years has leveraged about $125 million from $23 million of state funds. And so there's a, a, a huge payback in this. You know, we we just preliminarily, we we think about four to 5,000 jobs were created just from that, those those last two years and that 23 million, which has ended up being a, a, a catalyst for a, a lot of development that's happened along the Ohio River and then also here on, the, in, on Lake Erie Shores 
that would not have been able to occur otherwise. And like those port of structure development grants, being able to have the matching funds and things like that. It's critical. And and so I, I think, you know, having state, local, port, and federal partners all working together to improve this first and last mile and, and increase e- efficiencies at the ports, which again, trickle down to, you know, prices of shipping and ability to ship because you can start taking, making the time better. And so those are all kind of things that we're looking at going forward from economic development standpoint, because, you know, with a lot of business, what got you here may not get you to where you need to be tomorrow. And so we have to continue to evolve. Absolutely. And I want to mention that some of the other states in the region are similarly starting to discover that it's good policy to invest in their ports. Uh, The state of Illinois announced a $150 million investment in in the state's ports that's going to be split between the various ports in the state. The state of Minnesota for years has had a a regular annual port grant program for its ports. The same is true of the state of Wisconsin. Unfortunately, the state of Michigan has no ongoing (laughs) port uh, program for assistance to its ports. And so, so, but slowly, I think state by state, they're coming to the same realization that Ohio came to, which is that it's good policy to invest in the, inf- the port infrastructure in the state and that it's as critical as investing in the highways and airports. Definitely, definitely. I think it's going to be a major, major, major way in which, look, you, you go to Europe and you see how they use their inland waterways. And like we have more people, we produce more stuff. Yeah, We should be definitely uh, using these things and maximizing them for uh, a lot of reasons, economic and environmental as well, just, you know, less emissions from, from the shipping. And so I think we, you know, I think we're on to something, Steve, here in the Great Lakes. Yeah. And so, you know, let's continue to carry that flag there in D.C. And, you know, talking about funding, I think everyone is aware of just sort of just the push from Congress of the previous administration and also the current administration in order to get money into infrastructure and understanding that, you know, for uh, the United States to sort of compete internationally, we have to continue to build up our own infrastructure to be able to make the, the, the production in that competition as efficient and, and upscale to what the 21st century is going to demand. And so let's talk about the funding that's become available. You know, as we mentioned, we use dollars from Marriott Grant to finance renovations at the Port of Cleveland and other ports around the Great Lakes. And there are a few other opportunities for ports to compete with federal and state dollars. Moreover, in recent news, the Consolidated Appropriations Act of 2021 made an additional money available for the Port Infrastructure Development Program and also with 205 million reserved for grants to the coastal seaports and Great Lakes ports. How can we make sure that the Great Lakes aren't left out of this conversation to compete? I mean, especially when you start thinking about offshore offshore wind energy and things like that, that is being discussed on the East Coast right now and what we're sort of doing with the uh, icebreaker wind uh, project off the uh, coast of Cleveland here, you know, how do we make sure that voice is heard when, when we get to, you know, policy? Because again, policy can dictate the competition and dictate, you know, all these other effects that, that sort of come from that. Yeah, I think we should, I don't see any evidence that we're being disadvantaged right now. The Port Infrastructure Development Program that's run by the uh, U.S. Maritime Administration 
has been very generous to the Great Lakes ports. Yeah, uh, we've we've co- yeah. collectively gotten quite a bit of money from the program. There's no evidence that we're there's any bias to steer the money to other parts of the country. I think they're being very careful and sort of spreading help, the good assistance, the financial assistance around the country in an equitable way. I think what we should do is is work with our colleagues at ports across the country to lobby Congress to simply increase the amount of money in that program. So that way there's more for everybody. That is a much more effective approach than getting into a food fight with our fellow ports and trying to carve out uh, special set-asides for the Great Lakes, or because or, then, then the guy with the most political muscle wins, and, the, and, and that's not a great position to be in. I think it's better to create allies and work cooperatively with ports from the West Coast, from the Gulf, and from the East Coast to try to simply urge Congress to put more money into that program so we all get more resources to uh, help rebuild our ports. So I think that's the right approach. If, if we see some point in time where there's evidence of a bias or somehow the the agency staff are steering the money to preferred uh, ports or ports they're closer to, then we should, you know, maybe go up to Capitol Hill and make some noise. But there's no evidence of that yet. And so I think right now, I would say that the best strategy is to work with others in the port community in this country to try to just make sure the program's funded in, in a more robust way. And and I think that's how we'll be the most successful. But as you mentioned, Jade, you know, everyone knows because it's, it's just about the only thing in the news these days that President Biden is pushing a big infrastructure package in Congress right now. And negotiations are going on daily to try to give birth to that massive program. And, you know, I'm pleased to note that he, while there's not a lot of detail yet. He has already publicly stated that he wants to steer $17 billion of the total to ports. And so we'll have to see what the details are and, and what he means by that. But uh, hopefully in an infrastructure package, if $17 billion is to make its way to ports, hopefully uh, a good amount of that would be distributed as grants to to address our infrastructure needs. We don't know yet, but I guess I want to just commend the administration for having not forgotten ports. You know, you and I have talked in the past about how often ports are left out of the discussion. and They're busy talking about airports and highways. Nope. The president has specifically called out ports for funding. And and I'm pleased to note that the other side, the president's negotiating with Republicans uh, in the Senate right now, but those folks have also called for $17 billion in funding specifically for ports. So, so that's a good sign. You have both sides, uh, both the Democrats and the Republicans, saying that they want to see a set aside for ports around the country. And so that's good news. That's good news. No, I mean, I mean that that is you no, know, it is good. I think we've done a good job, you know, here in the Great Lakes of just raising the the issues. But mm-hmm. as, as you said, I think we have saw some some pretty good, equitable, you know, results in the past, and I definitely want to make sure we keep that going. Only because, again, we're gonna have to make sure, you know, everything's fully dredged. We're gonna have to make sure we have docks and wharves that are functioning. Because from every single sort of future economic outlook I've seen, you know, the shipping is going to increase. And so, you know, we, we can expect uh, things to maintain its use. We can't expect docks that are already aging to be able to continue to deal with heavier and more frequent cargoes going forward. Because again, the minute that those things begin to fail and you can't get supplies in, I think we've all saw just sort of like 
how supply chain disruptions worked in the last year, you know, and that was just from just not being able to make things, but then not being able to move things will be a whole different kind of a conversation, whole different kind of impacts as well. So making sure that we're staying on top of that and staying ahead uh, again, so people don't have to know they have to interact with ports. I think that's a good thing as well, but because we're working and doing, when we look at this is issue of infrastructure, Steve, and making sure our Great Lakes are represented, funded, what makes Great Lakes shipping so important to our economy? Well, I like to think of it that the Great Lakes and the kinds of goods we ship on the Great Lakes by vessel really are foundational. They serve what I think of as foundational industries, such as steel making or energy production, agriculture. These these are some people would think of them as sort of rust belts uh, industries, but you know they've not gone away. These are still huge industries. They still exist. Yes, they were yesterday's industries, but they're also today's industries. And they're still very important to the economy of our country and to the economy of the Great Lakes region. So Great Lakes shipping is critical in that it tends to focus on movement of raw materials for those foundational industries that other industries rely on, quite frankly. Energy production, you know, for example, coal is is, is a big cargo on the Great Lakes, actually in the... Uh, area of renewable energy, wind components for uh, wind farms are, are very, very frequently shipped through our ports and, and are actually in a growing uh, cargo volume in our ports right now, which reflects how much renewable energy infrastructure is being built around the region right now. But those wind towers that people see are very big and they're very difficult to transport by road or rail, so they tend to be moved by ship. Our ports are playing a critical role in these foundational industries. But but in, in every case, the underlying economy of the Great Lakes region is dependent on these uh, foundational industries. You know, the auto industry is still very big in the Great Lakes region, and it is absolutely dependent on steel production. Most steel production in the United States occurs in the Great Lakes region, and that steel production is dependent on raw materials being delivered to steel mills in, in Ohio and Indiana and Michigan. Those raw materials are things like limestone and coal and, and most, most importantly, iron ore, uh, also coming from elsewhere in the Great Lakes region. So uh, ships are, are moving all those goods to support steel making, which in turn supports automaking. And as you can see, automaking supports all kinds of components and auto part manufacturing. You just keep going. There are so many thousands and thousands of jobs that are related to all these industries. And at the heart of it all is, is Great Lakes shipping, sort of quietly moving these goods. As you mentioned, often out of sight, out of mind, but nevertheless, it's mm -hmm. going on and it's critical. If it wasn't there, you know, we've done studies, 237,000 jobs in our region are dependent on Great Lakes shipping at $35 billion of economic activity would stop tomorrow if Great Lakes shipping shut down. So it's obviously a critically important economic driver in the region, even though it tends to be out of sight. The general public doesn't see or interact with it much, but it's out there and it's happening and it's important to the economy. Now, I think that's a poignant point to make as, as far as just the amount of jobs and the amount of, of economic activity. And that's just the Great Lakes. So you're not even talking about, you know, some of your other coastal ports or some of your more inland, you know, river system ports and things like that. The scale of this industry and just as importance to the U.S. economy in general is just absolutely critical. 
And when you, when you start thinking about things like energy exports as well, when you start thinking about the world economy and where, you know, shipping in the U.S. place in that, it is, is going to be up there with some of the foremost things that sort of keeps things running. And so, you know, I'm, I'm hope folks that are listening to this get a chance to get some of that perspective. And Steve, you know, let's talk a little bit about the outlook over the next two to four years in Congress. What are you focusing on and what do you hope to achieve with this current Congress? Well, the current Congress is very focused on infrastructure. And so we've been urging them to enhance MARAD's port grant program. I would say that's, that's the first initiative. The second initiative we've been focused on is working closely with the Lake Carriers Association, which represents the American shipping companies on the Great Lakes and other interests in the Great Lakes maritime industry to try to enhance our icebreaking services on the Great Lakes. So we talked earlier about the need for a more icebreaking capability on the Great Lakes, and this is the effort to try to improve that. The U.S. Coast Guard is responsible for icebreaking. That's what, that's their role. And they have many roles, but that's one of their roles. Icebreaking is provided by the U.S. Coast Guard. They operate a number of icebreakers on the Great Lakes today, but only one of them is what we refer to as a heavy icebreaker with with robust capability. We're pushing Congress to fund a second such ship at, at roughly the cost of $350 million. So that's going to be a big push. And then we're also working to try to pass something that's called the Great Lakes Winter Commerce Act. That legislation would establish performance metrics for the Coast Guard to meet when it carries out its icebreaking mission. Right now, they kind of just do it the way they want to do it. There's no metrics they have to meet, and we think that's a little loosey-goosey. We think it should be there should be specific performance requirements that they should meet as they try to keep shipping lanes open during the cold weather season and try to make sure commerce keeps moving. So those are are, are, are two important initiatives. Of course, the one thing that we're always focused on is funding for the Corps of Engineers and the various programs that they are responsible for. Probably uh, foremost among those is funding for construction of the, of the new Sioux Lock. This is, this is a critical navigation lock that's located in northern Michigan. And even though it's uh, geographically far from Ohio, it's critical to Ohio's economy. Iron ore that is mined in Minnesota has to be transported to steel mills in Ohio by ship. And that lock connects uh, Lake Superior and Lake Huron, and, and ships have to go through that area to get to Ohio. And so Ohio's economy is dependent on this lock, this navigation lock in a fairly remote location in the upper peninsula of Michigan. But that project uh, to build that new lock, because the current lock is is getting old, that new lock is is over a billion dollars in cost and uh, we're working with Congress to try to uh, fund a replacement. They've already uh, begun construction on the new replacement. Congress has appropriated already more than $350 million. And so it's underway already. We're just trying to keep the funds flowing to keep that construction project on schedule and get it done on time. So I would say that was the third major uh, infrastructure push that we're going to be making uh, during this Congress. Steve, I want to say thank you. I also want to, but not only just for your time, but just for sharing some of your expertise and, and broad perspective about some of these Great Lakes issues and shipping issues in general. And again, I think what you mentioned with the Sioux Locks is a, a very poignant, uh, you know, that's, you know, hundreds of miles away, but yet it's very, very connected to the well-being of thousands of families here in, in the state of Ohio. And when you think about the effect downstream from what that iron ore is used to produce 
and the steel that comes from that iron ore and then what that goes into, you, you talk about even broader impacts throughout the region and throughout the country. And so uh, I'm glad, really appreciate you stopping by, spending time with us for two episodes and providing the insights and, you know, tell our listeners where they can keep an update on the current Great Lakes Ports Association's issues and how they can follow the American Great Lakes Ports Association on social media. Sure. Well, I would encourage everybody to uh, go to our website, which is www.greatlakesports.org, and uh, check out our various initiatives. There's a lot of information on that website, not only studies that we've commissioned to provide data and background on the Great Lakes shipping industry, but also a complete list of the various policy issues that we're advancing in Congress with a detailed briefing background on each of the issues to help the public understand what these issues are. And then also, of course, the lists of our members in case you were to want to get in touch with any of our member ports, contact information and information about our organization. So I, I urge everybody to check out our website. That's uh, really the primary and best uh, depository of information about our efforts and about our organization. Well, great, Steve. Thanks again. Uh, really appreciate you. And then also I want to thank our listeners. I hope this uh, episode, like all of them, have been informative and uh, entertaining at the same time. And you can, again, follow us at Great Lakes Forward and also at Port of Cleveland on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, and then also at The Port of Cleveland on Facebook. I'm Jay Davis. I hope all is well, and we look forward to having you back on our next episode of Great Lakes Forward. Have a great one.